Welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, the show that curates the streaming media industry news that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the factual data you need to know without any of the hype. The Pulse of the Streaming Media Industry. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn. Running solo today. Uh, don't have my co-host Mark Donegan with me. He's on vacation. Uh, great for him. So he's he's going to be back, uh, I think, in two weeks. Uh, we probably won't do one the week of week of the holiday. Maybe it will, depending on what news comes out. So you've got me uh, this week uh, ranting on a couple things that I've seen that have come out. We're also going to cover a few things in the news. And I've seen the last couple days. Apologies on my voice. It's already starting to get bad here at the end of the week. But let's just jump right into, there's a couple of things on the content side when it comes to Netflix, Warner Bros. Discovery, it'll come out. So one of the uh, the stories this week is, and the media is really just getting this one really wrong, is that uh, Netflix is, based on a report, Netflix is falling short of their ad-supported viewership guarantees that they made to advertisers. And so the media is saying they're allowing advertisers to take their money back for ads that have yet to run. It's been reported that uh, the specific shortfalls amounts vary, but in some cases, Netflix has only delivered roughly 80% of the expected audience. But here's the problem that, that people are getting wrong in this is, first and foremost, Netflix structured these ad deals on a pay-on-delivery basis. So advertisers are only paying for viewers that they've actually re- released And it was already agreed upon that Netflix was going to release any unspent ad dollars at the end of the quarter. So this idea that some of the media are running with saying that Netflix is refunding money, they're not refunding money. This is the way the deal was set up. Uh, In addition, for all the people that I see writing saying Netflix is already, quote, struggling with their AVOD model, their model is, quote, not working as expected, this is all factually inaccurate. The AVOD offering is less than six weeks old. Netflix has said time and again, whether it's to the media or to Wall Street, that's going to take a few, quote, years to get their advertising experience for consumers to where they want it and the impact that it's going to have on their business financially. So many are taking this and twisting it and writing for headlines. Netflix has only been doing this six weeks, suggesting, as I see some people say, Netflix, quote, can't do it and quote, has missed their goals, it's it's just not reality, right? These are these are people who are writing for headlines, trying to make it look like the Netflix is, is failing in the market. When in fact, as we know, Netflix is the only streaming service that is cash flow positive, that has more subscribers than anyone in the world as a single standalone service. So we've got to give their ad business time. That's really all it comes down to I love the fact that Netflix has been very vocal from day one with the ad business when they did finally decide to adopt it, that it's going to take them a couple of years to really get it ironed out, right? They're going to figure out what consumers want from an ad experience, what it should look like, pre-roll, post-roll, in-stream, how many ads they offer over what period of content and time. That's all to be worked out. I have played around with Netflix's AVOD model. So far, I haven't I haven't seen any issues with it as far as ad triggering problems. I haven't seen any issues with repetitive ads. I need to spend some more time 
with the AVOD offering, but but so far I haven't seen anything from a technical problem or ad insertion problem, personally. I've also been looking online over the last two weeks, call it, uh, for comments for people on LinkedIn or Twitter. I haven't seen people uh, commenting about any issues with the ads either. So, so far I don't, I don't hear of any issues. We did have some in the industry that said Netflix isn't going to be able to insert ads. It's so complicated. And when it launches in such a short period of time that it did, they're going to have all kinds of technical problems and whatnot. I've yet to see any of that. If anyone has seen any of that, feel free to point it out to me. But so far, I haven't seen any of it. Uh, moving on to another another one that the media is definitely not getting right here is uh, Warner Bros. Discovery announced that it's decided to license certain MB, uh, HBO and HBO Max original programming titles to third-party fast services. And the reason they're doing that is it'll it'll drive new expanded audience for those services. Uh, also because HBO Max's owner, Warner Bros. Discovery, is relaunching the premium streaming service, which may or may not be called Max. We don't have 100% guarantee on that. But what they're doing is they're looking at the best distribution model based on the type of content and where they can make the most money. So what they're really doing is they're just, they're selling them off to various fast services as a way to save money um, while making money in syndication. And and that's just smart of them because without uh, retrans fees, the profit margins for streaming are just not going to be anywhere near the, the profit margins from linear. So Warner Bros. Discovery is taking the approach of let's figure out which distribution platforms make us the most money, get us the most viewership, or expand our audiences. So the fact that they're doing with this with a small subset of, of series, it's really not a big deal. I mean, it's, it's smart of them. It's what they're supposed to be doing. And I, what I find really interesting is, and I see this creep in, this mentality, whether we're talking to content owners, broadcasters, sports leagues, and even vendors in the market, this mentality that, well, this is the way we've always done it, so that's how we're going to continue. That is one of the worst answers you can ever have because it means that you are not changing with the times. It means you're not evolving and adapting. And if you don't evolve and adapt as things change around you in the business world and the macroeconomic environment that we're in, you will go under. Your company will die. So it was interesting when I saw some in the media saying things like, Ever since Netflix de debuted House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, streaming services have an underwritten rule. Don't share your original series anywhere. Well, how long ago did Netflix come out with those series? Long time ago. The market has changed. The dynamics of content licensing and syndication have changed and windowing as we've all seen. So this idea that Warner Bros. Discovery is making all these mistakes because they're making changes. People don't like change. That's what it comes down to. In life, most people don't like change. But the media also, change gives them something to write about in a negative way. So I saw a couple comments here. I'll, I'll read. Uh, one, one blogger said, uh, in reference to Warner Bros. Discovery CEO, he's, quote, damaging it beyond repair. And their logic behind that was, well, he's taking some shows, a few shows, uh, 
off of the service. So it means they have less content and he's putting it somewhere else. So what he's doing is he's saving money and if done correctly, making more money. So he's cutting costs and he's making more revenue. That's damaging a company beyond repair. So it's it's incredible just the comments and the statements that some members of the media make around some of this. It was kind of similar to when some episodes of Sesame Street were removed. You know, like the sky is falling moment. But what these companies are doing is they're doing what's best for their bottom line, their businesses. The other thing I love here is, as we've seen with some content that's been removed from streaming services or has not come to the service, even after being produced, the services, the executives have come out and said, well, the reason we removed the content is nobody was watching it. And yet still the media gives them flack many times for removing content, which I, I think is pretty comical because why would you keep content in your catalog if no one's watching it? It just doesn't make any sense. So Netflix and HBO Max have been the talk of the industry this week, but they're definitely not doing anything wrong as far as their business models go. And in all fairness, you got to give these guys time. Six weeks into an AVOD model, it's not enough to call it a success or failure. And Warner Bros. Discovery is not yet merged Discovery Plus and HBO Max together. So you got to give them time as well. A couple other things this week. Uh, pretty quick as far as the news goes, which is which is great just with the holiday coming up, was uh, FUBU TV, unfortunately, had a major outage this week. And they announced the day after the outage that it was a cyber attack that caused their service disruption. They didn't give any details as to what exactly was attacked across their infrastructure or how, which is what I would love to know. I don't think we'll get that information, but I would love to know how a streaming service was was taken down because we haven't to date seen streaming services taken down from by a cyber attack that I can remember. You know, some isolated incidents here and there that haven't come out into the news that I know of, but not something to this where it disrupted such a large portion of their audience. So that would be interesting to find out about. Um, it's not uncommon for some of these companies afterwards to actually put out a sort of a technical report of what happened and what they've do, done to prevent it. Uh, but don't know if we're going to get that in this case. Uh, I also reached out to the company as far as credits go. There was quite a few people online, a couple dozen I saw, saying that uh, they were going to be getting a $100 credit from FUBU TV. I don't know if that's accurate, hence I reached out to the company and they told me they haven't yet decided how or if they will provide any credit to subscribers. So the consumers who are reporting that they're getting that credit on Twitter, I don't know if they're assuming that. I don't know if that's an isolated case. Maybe they called support and working through support, they they were issued a credit. But the official statement from the company is they haven't yet decided in terms of how they're going to do that. Now, one downside too to to this Disruption is if you were following FUBU's service page, status page on the outage, at one point they posted they were no longer allowed or no longer able, sorry, to take phone calls or support calls. So that's obviously super frustrating for customers. They also couldn't do any password resets or changes. So never good to see. Um, really want to see just what happened, what was impacted, you know, why wasn't FUBU prepared for this? Um, but being I don't know the details, I, I really can't comment on that either way. Some additional numbers that come out, uh, Vimeo just put out their monthly year-over-year -year growth numbers for November. And uh, man, they are, uh, they're bad. 
I don't know any other way to say it. They're just really bad. Uh, revenue growth has fallen from 26% growth 12 months ago to negative 1% in November. In the same time period, subscriber growth has fallen from 12% growth to negative 4%. And ARPU has fallen from 14% growth down to 2% growth. So their their business just continues to decline every month as far as every single metric you're looking at uh, that they're pushing out there. And their stock is down 94% as of Friday, December 16th, market close. It's down 94% since they went public. So I know we've talked about them a few times on the on a podcast over the, the last couple of months, but they're really going to have to make some more changes to their business going forward. Uh, they've brought in some 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 new and additional management people, but they're, they're going to have to make some changes at the top. Your stock's down 94%. All of your growth metrics are just dropping month after month after month for uh, at least 12 months in a row. It's been longer than that in some of these. Uh, so I, I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they just cannot continue to operate their business currently the way they are. And frankly, I think they just need to get out of the free business. You know, kind of the let's be YouTube business. You know, there's no point in supporting uh, viewers on Vimeo who don't pay for your service. That's just not the business you're in. So I, I think they should completely cut that business altogether. It costs them a lot of money to operate it. And a lot of those um, consumers, uh, just subscribers, they call them, I believe, just, they don't turn into paying customers. So it's not worth subsidizing them. So I think they're going to have to do something. Uh, some other news here as far as Peacock TV goes. Yeah, we've got an announcement here that beginning in spring of next year, Peacock TV's done a deal with JetBlue. So JetBlue passengers are going to be able to watch a, a selection of Peacock originals for free on demand uh, and see back screens. So uh, that, that's cool, right? We're getting some more choices at cons- consumers. Um, Peacock and JetBlue are calling this an exclusive. That's their word deal. I'm not sure what's exclusive about it. Does that mean no other streaming services can come to CPAC screens on JetBlue planes? I don't know. Uh, I've not been able to get a clear answer on what what that means. Uh, Also note that you're not going to get access to everything Peacock TV has, the entire catalog. You're only going to get access to some of the originals. So I, I guess, again, that's nice as consumers to have some choice, but I just... I don't really see that as that big of a deal that we're now going to have access to some more titles. Uh, There also is a deeper tie-in here. Peacock is going to be integrated into JetBlue's loyalty program. So if you fly JetBlue enough, you can earn Peacock subscriptions. Uh, And then also Peacock subscribers will be able to get upgraded status on JetBlue's uh, what they call True Blue Mosaic program. So I, I like that aspect of it more. I fly a ton and I fly JetBlue sometimes, especially at a small regional airports. So if I'm going to get a free subscription to a streaming service for something I'm already doing, like a lot of the other deals we've seen where content is packaged, I think that's good. I don't think there's a downside to that. But um, again, I, I feel like the media is just overblowing this one. I've seen some of the media calling this historic. I don't get what's historic about this. JetBlue offers free live tv 
and has for a long time on their planes. So now the fact that we're getting some on-demand content from Peacock, it's just, I, I don't, I don't really get the, the spin on this one. I think it's good, but it's just, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal to be honest. Uh, moving on to some additional news here. Uh, so in an effort to optimize its business, uh, after combining three companies together, Limelight Networks, Layer Zero, and HCast, into the new Edgeo brand. Now, the company announced this week that it would lay off approximately, that's that's their uh, word, so that's in quotes, approximately 95 employees, which is about 10% of their workforce. And those will take place through uh, Q2 of 2023. Uh, the company's also going to be looking for a new chief growth officer, so basically someone to lead sales globally for the company. Uh, at the end of Q3, Edgeo reported a workforce of 1,256 employees. Uh, this is from their, their regulatory filing. And now they're down to around 1,100. Uh, from the uh, layoffs of about 95 employees, they anticipate that they'll generate approximately $14 million in net annual savings. So very much a, a good number for them as far as from the balance sheet standpoint. Uh, in Q3, the company had already implemented more than $20 million of planned synergies on a run rate basis. And their cash and cash equivalents and marketable securities was $73 million at the end of Q3. And they also recently hired a new CMO and CFO. Uh, CMO and CFO, the CMO isn't just new as in the last couple of weeks. So not a bad thing uh, here for Edgeo. Obviously, layoffs in the industry is never fun. People don't like change, but uh, you have to look at what this is. You've got three separate companies that have all combined. Uh, it, uh, Limelight Networks before the acquisition was under 600 employees. So you've you've more than doubled your headcount when you're acquiring multiple companies. There's, there's going to be people that are just not going to fit into the new structure. So uh, 10% of the workforce, uh, it's also smaller than many of the other layoffs we've seen across the market, which have not come because of acquisitions. And it's also important to point out that from a Wall Street standpoint, if you're not tightening your belt and you're not looking to do uh, for a way to do cost savings and, uh, you know, Wall Street doesn't like that. Wall Street's going to question your model going forward. So this this will also help on Wall Street. One of the things that companies have to also think about, and, and NGO is in this case, as, as well as many other vendors, if you can really set yourself up to properly operate and run your business over the next three or four quarters, when that additional growth starts to come and start to be built into the business going forward, you'll be in a really good good place. And many companies did the opposite of that, where they took a lot of money and they grew out the business too quickly with too many people. Uh, during COVID and right after COVID, now all of a sudden have to scale back. And just think of what that also does to the company going forward, right? It's like a, uh, I was thinking of it the other day, it's like a crazy ball, right? You just, it's bouncing really high and then all of a sudden it's got to come down really quickly and then you got to start growing it again. And that changes a lot of things internally. So those that grow steady, uh, those are the ones that are going to succeed. I say all the time that, Good companies survive, great companies grow. And the great companies next year in our space on the vendor side are the ones that are actually going to grow. 
and not grow 1%, uh, but grow low single digits. If they're lucky, they'll grow 10%. Some of them will probably do that where they have revenue that's diversified, that's not just tied to video. That's obviously important. You know, think of CDNs that are also doing cloud security application delivery, small object delivery, dynamic content delivery. These are services that obviously have higher margins. So we're going to see companies that, that do well next year. The The environment we're in from a business standpoint, I mean, that's not going to last forever. And we do see quite a fluctuation from quarter to quarter just as far as what consumers are consuming. And we did see one quarter just previously and earlier in the year where, for instance, Roku saw one billion less hours viewed uh, from quarter to quarter. And that's going to happen. So I think that's something to keep an eye on in December only because you have more people around taking off the holiday at home. Maybe they're consuming more, but on the flip side of that, if you look at numbers in the past from previous Q4s, there's also been times where less content has been consumed of total number of hours because people are traveling and away from their home and visiting family and have a lot to get done. So it will be interesting to see what Q4 looks like. Really hard to know, but we do have some underlying data from, from previous years, which I think makes it interesting to compare, especially if you look at pre-COVID. And then the final thing I'll just say is thinking about 2023, most of the public companies have really reset expectations on Wall Street. They're no longer going off the, the COVID bump numbers that they saw. Um, they're no longer being compared to the COVID numbers as well, which is good. So a lot of companies have just readjusted for Wall Street. Hey, you know, here's our new base. Here are our new numbers going forward. These are the numbers that we want to grow off of. So I think going into next year, expectations will be a lot better, a lot clearer, I should say. Not better. It should be a lot clearer. Um, setting proper expectations is key. Yes, you're still going to have companies whose stock is down. Man, you got a lot of a lot of companies where their stock is down 70 to 90% over the last 12 months. Some of those will get better. Some of those will not just because they have fundamental problems with their business. They're going to have to change. Uh, but overall, I'm I'm not negative for the new year. There's still growth out there. There are still companies who are looking at how they can accelerate, can accelerate uh, especially growth with current customers, organic growth. So if you can add a couple points of organic growth, you can go out and couple, capture a couple points of share in the market, right? you can grow 5 to 7 to 9% for good companies next year. So I expect we'll be able to see that. That won't be all the vendors in the market. But we're certainly going to have some that are that are going to be able to. Uh, also, if anybody wants to reach out, um, you know, there's there's been other layoffs in the market on the broadcast side. There's been some out there mentioned. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. You're looking for a new job. Happy to talk to anyone about that. I do take probably two or three inquiries a day where I talk to people about what they're looking for. Um, keep in mind, you know, the people I can help are the people who have a background in the space. People do reach out at times and it's like, I come from the real estate space and then I tried to start selling cloud-based video services. Yeah, that's that's probably not a good fit um, if you don't have the background in that, don't have the understanding of the market dynamics, competitive landscape, how these services work. Uh, so so the, the companies that are still looking to hire are the ones that are looking to 
hire qualified people who definitely have the the expertise and a deep understanding of the market. So if you're one of those people, you think there's a way I can help you, or you just want to hear about marketing con- conditions, um, you f- feel free to reach out to me at any time. Just Dan at DanRaber.com. Be happy to chat with you. So with that, I think that's a wrap for this week. Uh, my voice is starting to wear out here anyway. Uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Uh, we'll do one more podcast before the end of the year. Certainly appreciate everyone listening. Every week I get at least a couple emails or people messaging me on LinkedIn saying they like the podcast and also giving me ideas in terms of what they want me to talk more about. Uh, we're, we're definitely getting up there now in the downloads. I think it's, I think it's over 15,000 downloads now, uh, which, which is great. I mean, we'll be coming up to 50 podcasts in the new year um, come February, which is pretty incredible. Uh, and then I'm also going to start uh, including some others in the podcast as well in the new year, some executives from the space and whatnot, so you can hear their take on what they're seeing in the market. So a lot more to come. But if you have any questions anytime, if there's any way I can help you, anything you want to know, data you're looking for in the market, without any um, without any fluff, without any, you know, uh, coding it with any sort of like, oh, it's really positive when it's negative, I'll tell you like it is. Happy to chat with you at any time. So that's a wrap for this week. Thanks to Agora. It's been a podcast sponsor for almost the entire year. Really appreciate them. If you haven't checked them out, go to Agora, A-G-O-R-A dot I-O. Uh, the numbers that I've talked about today regarding uh, FUBU, Vimeo, um, some on Netflix, uh, and then also uh, Edgeo. Uh, those are all up on LinkedIn. I've put all those up so you can check it out along with some links, like for instance, their filings or comments. So you can see that as well. So any questions, reach out to me. Otherwise, have a great week. Look forward to talking to you all in the next podcast. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Have questions for Dan or Mark? Connect with them on LinkedIn at any time. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com. Mm-hmm.